1: everybody, Doc Bryan here, and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs of life. Today I have with me uh, a gentleman that I found on TikTok, of all places, uh, and I just love the story that that he has to tell and advocacy that that he has. And so, Eli, I want to welcome you here on Doc Talks with us today. Yes, thank you so much. I'm excited about this. Um, We're excited to have you. So tell me a little bit, if you will, about where you're from growing up, um, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I was born and raised um, around Wilmington in Newark, Delaware. I was born in 1989. It was more of a suburban but slightly urban place as well. Uh, My father has been married. I believe he's on his fourth or fifth marriage at this point. So growing up, I was in a lot of different houses. Uh, meeting a lot of people that I all of a sudden had to call mom and stepdad and here's you know new brothers and sisters so that was always there was always something going on there was definitely always something going on um for schooling though you know my childhood with schooling was rough because my the schools that I went to was never actually about education they were never top in anything when it comes to the education um And I realized pretty early on that most of my teachers growing up were just substitutes. And, um, you know, they didn't have career teachers where that was. And I don't blame them. Actually, going to these schools, we were kind of known as the bad school. And there was a bunch of substitute teachers and they were in and out because the kids were really bad. And it was just a rough, rough area. My family and my parents never really put too much emphasis on education either. It was just that was the closest why that just meant that I spent a lot of time getting to know a lot of people and uh, playing, and
1: so I imagine yeah. there was a a lot of diversity there within in that. Oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely, every color, creed, religion, absolutely.
1: So you mentioned uh, your father uh, being married four or five times and moving around. Was your mother uh, in the picture there with you during that time? They
0: divorced when I was 12. So up until that point, yeah, it was a two parent household. And my father was married to a woman prior to my mom. So when they got divorced, my father had custody of, of the two kids that they shared. So growing up, it was really my dad, and my mom, those two from my from my dad's first marriage. And then my mom had me and my sister. So us four kind of grew up, you know, together, and, and they were much older than me. So then, when my parents got divorced, they were out, and and then that's when kind of moving of new wives and new people started from there.
1: Gotcha. So as you moved from from this elementary or or middle school, how was how was middle school, high school life for you? Um Middle school was good. Middle school was. Uh,
0: and when I say good, I just mean socially, because again, this was not about education and, and focus on self-development. This was just, socially it was good. I I never really felt like an outcast. I always had a bunch of friends from different you know cliques. And I, I felt like I got on really well with a lot of people. I had a big heart. Um, I've been suspended multiple times. I got expelled once for sticking up for people. And um, I was always the person that people felt like they could go to if they needed some sort of protection or guiding words. Uh, So middle school was good in that sense. High school, on the other hand, was a little rough. High school, (laughs) I dropped out in 10th grade. I finished 10th grade and decided not to go back in 11th. Home life was a little rough because that's when my mom married a gentleman who I did not trust. At all, and I wanted to be out of the house, and so at the summer of tenth grade, I got a job that I was doing full time. I decided instead of going back to eleventh grade that I just wanted to begin working, and I got my first apartment at the age of seventeen, and I haven't been back since. But high school was a little rough for multiple reasons. That's when I first came out as bi. I've come out three and a half times now in my life, so that's a. (laughs)
1: Okay, so it's fun. I've done that a lot. <laughs> uh So did you like uh, emancipate and move out or was there just, you just moved out?
0: No, I mean, they were, my mom and dad were both supportive of me be, moving out. They always said that I was wiser than my age, that I was more mature. So they had to sign off on it and saying that they were, you know, a co-lease or whatever else, if anything happened that it would be put on them at 17. Um, But it was... Yeah, it wasn't emancipated. It was just all right, I, I'm gonna go. And they were like, Okay. Got
1: you. That's fine. So you said that was when you when you first come out as being bi. What was that what was that experience like? It was scary, um, but exciting.
0: At the same time, I came out as bi because I fell in love with a girl that I met online,
1: uh, MySpace, because that was that was that's that's where I met my wife, but we'll we'll save that for another conversation. I'm saying that's
0: where I I fell in love with a girl that I met on MySpace, and I met her in person, and it it got to the point where I couldn't hold those feelings back anymore. And people always joked that I was I was gay growing up, but with my parents and and that they were never they didn't make it seem like that would be a bad thing, but it was very dismissive of oh no you're just a tomboy. Oh, you just haven't found the right man yet. Um, They didn't necessarily talk bad about gay people and made me feel like I would, you know, that would be a horrible thing of me, but it was just very dismissive. So so it was scary to come out um, because I had boyfriends growing up um, and people would always see me with guys, but I met this girl on MySpace. I met her in person, fell in love with her. and I came out as bi and I didn't really know if that's really what I was. I just knew that that was an easier way of saying I'm attracted to a girl and I still presented female at the time. So how do I, you know, go about that?
1: Right. So how old were you when that that happened? Was that 17? Was 16. 16. 16. Okay. So this was prior to you moving out of your parents' home. Yeah. Okay. Yes. How did and, and did you just come out to your parents or also friends in the school or? Uh, what was what was i came
0: out to my friends first i actually think my parents were the last to know i i came out to i had a huge group of friends i was friends with multiple you know cliques of people and so it was everyone kind of knew was slowly and the majority of the reactions were like okay that's gross but we already knew like it wasn't very accepting but it was also like no surprise there and i i kind of want to be like well why didn't you tell me Hmm. But it was I told my parents, I told my mom and she, they're both very religious people with more conservative views. And so when I told my mom, she basically said, "Well, we're going to go talk to the pastor about it." And I said, "Well, the pastor's not going to help me with anything. It's you know, it's not going to stop anything." I felt like as much as she was dismissive of me and and who I was, I was dismissive of her opinion of me it had gotten to that point 16 years later that it just it did not matter. I wanted her to know because I was planning on bringing the girl home. My dad on the
1: other hand said I like girls too. Like he just that <laughs> tends to be a, a a coping mechanism sometimes for fathers in these situations of well that's cool because I like girls too. Right, right. So what was this like early 90s, mid 90s, early 2000s? Okay. So 2000s. So while there was still uh, quite a stigma of, well, at least in the South, uh, quite a stigma surrounding um, uh, homosexuals, LGBTQ plus community, uh, it was beginning to come out of that stigma of, and not to be offensive, but people would refer to those as being dirty or, or nasty or what other adjective that that they would want to use uh, that would be totally inappropriate. I'm sure that you probably dealt with those type of people as well. Oh, of course. Of course. How was that first time that you had somebody really attack you? What do you really remember about that that sticks out in your mind?
0: I remember, it was, in, it was in high school when something had happened between the girl and I the uh, that I was with. And one of my, I wouldn't say guy friends, but it was it was an acquaintance. And we were at lunch and he said something along the along the lines of, well, you're only dating her because no guy would ever want to be with you. So we're just gonna chalk it up as all, you know, you're just gay because no other guy wants to be with you. And that would that was legitimately his mindset of if anyone, you know, was sexually attracted or whatever to the same genders because they don't feel attracted from the opposite. So And for some reason that made me think like, well, is he right? But I had boyfriends growing up and, and even up until that point. So I never really felt like I was directly attacked and felt like I was, you know, going to be harmed or, but I, I I think that was the first time somebody was like, well, it's because nobody actually wants to be with you. Mm -hmm. No guy actually wants to be with you. And then it was, you know, I'm in high school, hormones are raging and self, you know, esteem is already all over the place. So that happened. I was like, wait.
1: Yeah. So it did cause you to kind of step back and, and think about, well, what actually is going on here uh, with me? Yeah. 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 For, for a little bit. At, At any point, did you feel like, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this. Maybe this isn't who I am.
0: Yes. And I think that stemmed from me coming out as bi. Uh, so to kind of give this a a bit of a backstory I, I had boyfriends growing up and I think that was because I just felt the social pressure of having a boyfriend that it was did I actually really like these people like I was I knew that guys were attractive and I was attracted to them but I it always felt so superficial I had never felt the way towards guys the way that I did with girls and um it made me question why that was. And it came out as bi because that was easier. And, and a few years later, I came out again as lesbian because that seemed like the these are just labels that we help, you know, describe ourselves. And since I didn't want to be with a guy again, lesbian felt like an easier thing, you know, to to describe myself. But it wasn't until later that I realized that I'd always been sexually attracted to men, but never romantically. And so when things are brought up like that, like, well, you only want to be with girls because no guy wants to be with you. I'm like, well, does that, is that really true? Do I actually want that from them too? And so it was, it was a wild ride of questioning whether or not, you know, these labels fit me, how they fit me and what I was thinking about myself and who I was attracted to.
1: Because even in adolescence, uh, pre-puberty or pre-publescent, if I said that right, and if I didn't, people will. Uh, let me know for sure. That age when they're dating, even up to fourteen, fifteen years old, they're not really dating because they're attracted to each other. It's oh, he likes me. Well, I kind of like him too. So let's date. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah, I completely understand where you're where you're coming from with that. So uh, then you did mention that you you came out as lesbian. So how did that change everything going on with you in your world? Well, by the time that I came out as
0: a lesbian, I was out of high school. That's when I was living on my own. I shouldn't really say on my own because I actually got this apartment with a girl that I was seeing. Uh, we lived there together for a year. And I, I feel like it was during that time of getting out of my parents' house And because I was living with both of them separately. They had split custody. That's why I still kind of put them together when I say my parents. It was just spend half the time with both but i i got out of there and i was living with her and she self-identified as a lesbian and i knew that i didn't want to be with a man romantically i wasn't i didn't want them to hold my hand i only wanted to be with women so it was just i came out and and most of my friends see this is the i i like to keep friends around me who i felt are very supportive encouraging people and so if i if and people that wanted to better themselves and get to know themselves, self-aware people. So I think this is why when I came out as a lesbian, I was scared to come out to these people because I already knew that they were good-hearted people to begin with. And so I did that, and and once again, it was a, well, duh, mm. <laughs> type of moment. But it never felt right. Even with these words, bi didn't feel right. Lesbian didn't feel right. And I didn't know why. I thought, well, there was just these are, everyone feels the way that I'm feeling right now. Right. It didn't, I didn't question it. It was just, these were words that I was using, but it never, it never felt right.
1: So was there ever a time that you had been intimate with a man? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't have to deal with a lot of people in your situation had to deal with, well, you've never even been with a man. So how would you know that you're not attracted to them sexually? And, and, you know, probably more so within homosexual men, uh, not being with women, there would be that, that stigma surrounding that. So now you've, you've come out as lesbian, but, um, as our listeners may or may not know, you are trans. Um, Mm -hmm. and if I, if I say this wrong, please don't be offended, but is trans man would be the appropriate term. Is that correct? Yes.
0: Transgender is just the preface of the uh gender. So there's cisgendered people, transgender people. Like you are a cisgendered man and I'm a transgendered man. We're both men. So yeah, you would use the the gender to um to represent the the person that they are now.
1: So okay. I'm a trans man, Yeah. So uh you are are post op uh transgender or pre op.
0: That depends on on what you're asking.
1: So um we won't. We won't get into the details of that, but um, I, I know that there are are multiple surgeries uh, within that. Um, most people refer to what I'm talking about as top surgery, um, in in that the breasts are removed. Yeah, I've had kind of top surgery. Yep. Okay, so um, that's what I was trying to ask, without being too delicate or too insensitive. So, because okay. uh, this is a whole new area for me too. Um. Uh. And, and the whole purpose of this at this point is education and and advocacy. Um, and and I was always taught if you don't ask, then it's your own fault that you're ignorant. Um. So right. right. So in that, then there comes this acknowledgement that I'm really not bi. I'm really not a lesbian. I'm transgender. Mm-hmm. What kind of precursor pushed you into that acknowledgement you know what it was there was not a lot of
0: information or resources out there up until the point of being when i was i was 21 when i realized that trans is Really, the identifier of me. Um, it, there wasn't a lot. I didn't know of any trans guys. Now, I did know of a few trans women because I was a drag king and I I met a lot of drag uh, queens who who started hormone therapy. But for some reason, it never clicked in my mind that trans men existed or that that was an option. And so, and and like I said, growing up, I had always been told oh well you're just a tomboy are you just like short hair everything had been so pushed under the rug that I never really considered my own gender everything had been focused on who I was attracted to and my sexuality and so when I met I met a, a trans guy at a bar at the age of 21 and I sat with him for a couple hours and I bought him drinks to just keep going with his story. I would ask him questions and there was so much that he was saying that reflected back to me. And, and it really took me by surprise. I'm like, wait, but I feel like that, Wait, you know, I'm not alone. This is this. wait, this, uh, there's a word for this. You can do something about this. I just always thought that I was a very masculine lesbian and that's just the label I was going to go with. And I would have been fine. This is the part that usually trips people up is that it, if this was never an option to transition, I would have been okay. I would have been fine. I've I've always found the silver lining in things and, and being grateful for what I have. And so if I didn't know that this was an option, I would have been okay. But I met this guy and it blew my mind. Everything that he was talking about just made so much sense to me. And up until that point, even though lesbian didn't sound right, it was the best that I could come up with for how I was feeling. So I met this guy at 21 at the, at the bar and he told me that he went to a place that was uh, about an hour and a half away from me. It's called the Mazzoni Center in Philadelphia and I highly recommend them, but they they started helping him out with hormone treatment. And it really took me back and I was with my wife. Now we were together during this and I remember going home that night and being like, I need to look into the Mazzoni Center this guy aids i've never met anyone like this i thought that these feelings were just something to be pushed under the rug like i had been taught to do and and this guy really kind of just opened my eyes to a whole world and this was 11 years ago like i said there wasn't a lot of information resources out there so i didn't know and and now what we have is incredible compared to what i had i remember going to the doctor on my appointment for tea. And I, and I asked him, I, I start asking him some questions and he looked at me and said, buddy, we're going to learn together. We don't know yet.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. Knowing yeah. that you're not just, some uh, random number out there that there is a name for what you are, are dealing with and, and feeling. Mm-hmm. So you talked about your wife. Now I know that you're married. Your wife is a nurse and she's yeah. one of the sweetest people I've ever seen on your, uh, TikTok lives most of the time. Um, the time? <laughs> yeah, most of the time. So, how did you meet her? So I met her at a
0: bar in Philly. This seems to be a pattern in my life, I guess. Um, I met her at a bar as well, uh, and it was it was a lesbian bar called Sisters. I was I shouldn't say this, but I was underage and using a fake ID. But um, we can edit that part out. But nobody cares. <laughs> uh, I I met her there. She had gone, so she. Is a cisgendered straight woman. So she was born female. She feels like she's a woman and that, you know, that takes care of the, the cis part. She had always been with guys her entire life, never even really considered woman before. Um, and she was going to this lesbian bar because a friend of hers was buying and, and wanted to meet up with a girl. And so she tells a story that her and her friends all got like really dolled up because they're like, oh, we're going to a lesbian bar. We're not gay. Let's just go have fun. And we don't have to worry about guys and all this stuff. So uh, little did she know that she was going to find me that night. (laughs) But I just started chatting her up. I thought that she was stunning. And she immediately made me feel comfortable. And so that night I got her number and I woke up the next morning and texted her, I'm still thinking about you. And, And it's from that day forward, we've never broken up. We've never, we've been together for 11 years.
1: But at that point, you had not started your transition. Is that correct?
0: I have not. Okay.
1: So she met you knowing that you were female.
0: Yes. Luckily, she comes from a family, of incredibly diverse family as well. and, And nothing, she's got gay people in her family. So although she had only ever been with men and only really been attracted to or interested in being with men, there was no inhibitor in her that told her, well, you know, yeah, you happen to be attracted to this girl. Freak out about it. Question everything. Be scared. So she just said that she always just let it fly. That you know she happened to be attracted to me, although it ha- hasn't happened before. She wasn't going to stop
1: it. Hmm. I uh, I have a client, and and I asked for for his permission to to bring this up, uh, and he was mm-hmm. he was okay with it. But he is uh, he's bisexual, and uh, he started dating this man. Uh, And they were dating for about four months. And one night they became intimate. And that was when he found out that this was a trans man who had only had, uh, as I referred to, top surgery. Okay, He was immediately, I don't know if stunned was the word, but felt betrayed. And in that, that he wouldn't have cared, you know, it wouldn't have been an issue for him, but the fact that they had been together for four months and it wasn't brought up was very disturbing to him right what advice would you give to someone who maybe uh have transitioned within relationships of when is the right time to tell
0: so for me i mean everyone's going to be different in this i don't think that that was that was a good call for the trans guy to make for the simple fact that he could have put himself in danger also that's assuming that just because someone's bi, that means that they're they're expecting something or be okay with everything and that's so i just feel like that was wrong to do to begin with me personally um i would say right off the bat i wouldn't even want to go on that first date without it being acknowledged and for me it's it's mostly because i would want somebody who is willing to fight this fight right along with me not in spite of me Mm -hmm. not something that they were You know, oh, Annie happens to be trans, but you know, forget that part. It's my husband's trans, and I'm proud of that. For you know what I mean. So, for me, I would only want to date somebody who I knew was that type of person. It's not even so much putting out my information, but I want to know who they are. You know, the sexual aspect of it. Some people would be perfectly fine with whatever I have down there. Um, I make it very clear though that I don't talk about what's in my pants, just because I don't want to normalize asking trans people what you know they have. We shouldn't assume that people are going to be okay with it, no matter what it is. And people are allowed to say, No, I'm not interested in that. That's perfectly acceptable. So I think we just need to get out of that stigma of, Well, I'm going to hide it, hide it, hide it, and then hope that they're going to be okay with it. Because, like you just said, there was almost a, it almost felt like they were lying just because they were hiding something so important.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a hashtag going around right now that is hashtag. Consent is sexy, and I think that consent is much more than, yes, it's okay. Consent is also to allow the other person to know exactly what they're getting into, uh, for lack of a better word. I I think that psychologically in this situation, this trans man could have potentially done more harm to himself in developing feelings for someone that he knew was bisexual. Uh, and that person not knowing that he was transgender. So, but I do, I do agree with you. It's very difficult. And when do we tell? How do we tell? When are we comfortable to tell? Uh, especially if we are dating someone who may be straight, and you know, because there are those, uh, there are those issues of where this individual could have been beat down once it was found out, you know, and put himself in, in danger. We like to think that that doesn't happen, but it happens more than, than we would care to know. That was my
0: call was, I'm, why would you put yourself at risk for that? You don't know how the other person's going to react.
1: Absolutely. So now you're married, um, and you begin this, you have this epiphany due to a man in a bar that just so happened to be there which I don't, I don't believe in just so happens. I believe everything happens for a reason and a purpose. And we take that information and we either grow or we store it away for another day. So coming to your wife and saying to her, you know what, I'm not a lesbian. I'm transgender. Having that conversation with her how did that make you feel in that where you're excited evidently that this is a thing, you know, I'm just not the only one feeling this way, but was there any, any indication that you had that you were scared to tell her because she might not accept that? Uh, not prior to telling her. And I didn't tell her
0: in the way that like, by the way, I figured it all out. I'm not a lesbian. I'm trans. I, she was there at the bar with me that night. And I, so I was kind of telling her throughout there. I'm like, he's a trans guy. Look what he did. Look how amazing he looks. This is a thing. You didn't know this is a thing. I didn't know this is thing. Can we talk about this later? So there wasn't a level of excitement with, with that. And um, she was my best friend and still is. And so when I came to her about it, I was like, wait, I think that this makes sense for who I am. But once again, I surround myself with people that are very open and, and uh, supportive educated people. And so I never had the fear of telling her and, and, thinking her reaction would be some negative thing that, um, I knew that she would, even if she decided that, you know, she doesn't want to be with somebody who's trans, she would still probably be my biggest cheerleader. And so I didn't have that fear with her. I basically said her, I think, I think that's how I'm feeling. I think that's what I want to do. What do you think? Like, does that, you know, telling her some stuff, does that make sense to you too? Cause this is my best friend and and she's like, "Yeah, no, that's that makes a lot of sense. Do you need help um, with your first appointment?" Was what she said to me.
1: Hmm. And that that's great because a lot of people would not have responded in that way. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, and and you know I I tell people that love is an emotion, and love is not superficial. True love, and so it wouldn't wouldn't typically matter what you look like or or necessarily who you identified as because you fall in love with the person, their personality, their being, and not superficially what they look like. So moving into the transition medically, I, I assume that at that point in time, it is what it is today and that you have to live as that gender for a period of time. There has to be psychological evaluations. Uh, did you have to go through all of that within your transition?
0: So um, yes and no. So in order to start on hormone therapy, um, I needed to go to a, a therapist and a, I think they called it a gender specialist therapist at the time. And and we had a session and the therapist was had all the rights in the world to say that we need to talk more and further because really they were the... The person who's going to give the okay to the doctor to start on hormone therapy, they want to make sure that I understand what I'm doing and that, you know, help me realize whether or not this is the right decision for me um, to start on hormone therapy and then also made sure that I had a support system and that I was mentally not just physically, but mentally ready for the journey that I was about to go on. Um, so I, I did have to do that, and I only had the one session with the therapist, and she gave the okay to the doctor, and then the doctor, and then I went back for you know the second or third appointment, and the doctor said, "Okay, it looks like everything's checked out. We've done your blood work, uh, your hormones, everything's on check. We're not worried about if we start you that something else is going to happen because you're pretty healthy. Everything is you know as it should be." So I didn't. I didn't have to live as a man prior to starting on hormones, um, and that that doesn't really make much sense to me because how could you, how could you do that? So I, it was just that that kind of simple, I guess.
1: So uh, within your treatment of of hormones, of course, uh, men and women both have estrogen and testosterone. In taking testosterone and other um, hormones, there causes an imbalance of of red blood cells and, uh, thickness of, of your hemoglobin, did you ever, uh, have any issues there medically while you were transitioning?
0: I did not. I made sure that I followed my doctor's, um, orders and I went back every, when I first started, it was every three months and then it continued to every six months and I go in to get my levels checked. And they check it, and I'm such an advocate for making sure that you do that because yeah, it does put you at risk for other things, um, high blood pressure and, and so forth. So it was, of course, it was a little scary. Like, what if this happens? But it it was never a debate of, of I was never weighing it. Like, well, I could have higher blood pressure, and or I could be a man. And so I would have I would have always chosen to take the slight risk of something bad happening in order for me to live my authentic self for however long that I possibly can.
1: Right. Because, you know, testosterone, even in uh, men taking testosterone as a supplement, their risk of heart attack and stroke and all of that significantly rises, uh, which as a mental health uh, person, I I would be an advocate for anyone to see their doctor as often as they are supposed to see their doctor uh, and get. Any testing that a doctor recommends, my son's pediatrician has a sign over her door that says, uh, "Do not um, mistake my doctorate degree for your Google search." Uh, My wife
0: has a cup that says that. Yeah. So degree, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know we have to have to be very careful in our self diagnosis uh, and even symptoms, especially in something. Uh, as sensitive as a a gender transition. So, are you now still on on hormones? Is that a lifetime process uh, of being on hormones, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have to take testosterone for the rest of my life. So I've got as much testosterone in my lo- in my body as any cisgendered man my age. I have the same amount of testosterone and estrogen. It's all the same, but I need to maintain it because my body will naturally try to produce more estrogen than testosterone. And, and and if I ever did get off of testosterone, those levels would slowly start to go back. So in order to maintain the level of T in my body, I will have to keep taking it. I mean, right now, medically and scientifically speaking, I'll have to continue with the, the injections or if I decide to patch. But I know that they are starting to work on things like a pill that you take once a month. And so I don't know how it's going to be, you know, 30 years down the road. But it will be something that I'll have to maintain for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's why some people are like, why are you done transitioning? Well, it never ends. There is no it's it's not like you get the results that you want and then you just stop taking the hormones. I'm going to have this is a lifelong thing.
1: Right. So do you have to take like um, an Astrozole to keep your estrogen levels down?
0: No. No, now, because it's not, it doesn't fight with the testosterone in that manner. As soon as the testosterone overrides the amount of estrogen, it just kind of naturally goes like that. As long as I'm still taking the testosterone.
1: Got you. Okay. So general life today, um, the audience of course, cannot see you, which will have your picture up on the podcast. You have a, a, a beautiful beard that I could only Wish that I could grow. Uh, I could. I could not shave for ten days and still look like a twelve-year-old uh, boy. Uh, so I, genetic. I'm sorry. So I'm. I'm going to make some assumptions here, and and not to offend. And and I hope you know that's my heart here is to educate and not offend. Has anyone ever looked at you and just assumed that you were transgender?
0: In the very beginning when I started transitioning. Yeah, of course not, not in the last, I would say seven years. Okay. Not that I know of.
1: No. Okay. Do you ever get to a point of where you feel like you have to tell somebody because they may be wondering if you really are or not? No. I mean, I tell, I tell people that, that I first meet, I mean, not like if
0: I'm walking down Walmart you know, the cashier at Starbucks, like they don't, they don't need, it. but I just started a new job a few months ago and I always make sure that that's brought up at some point. I've never had, no, I was going to say I've never had anyone question the validity of, of my gender and, and transitioning because I have. In fact, people know you're not. Why are you lying? That's not funny. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. What you, <laughs> mm-hmm. It wouldn't be funny. I'm not making a joke.
1: Right. Because who would joke about that? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, People, I'm sure somebody would. People are people, yes. Um, So, have you found fulfillment in in your transition? Do you finally feel like you are externally who you are internally?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was a rough ride getting here, but I would do it a million times over, hands down.
1: Uh, And what what advice would you give to to anyone that feels? That they may be trans or those that are in the transition process.
0: Well, two different two different things there. I feel like if anybody is questioning whether or not they're trans, um, to know that that's that in itself is valid. That you know, I know someone who's sixty two who just started transitioning. It's human nature to question our own identities, you know, and to question: is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this who I am? And and so that I feel like we get really caught up. In these labels and pressuring people to find one that fits them. And well, you said you were this, and now you feel like you're you know, we have that's just our society. But when it comes down to it, you take all the time you need. It doesn't need to be decided right now. There is no checkbox. And I think that's hard for people, too, is that you know, it's not like they gave me a checkbox They're like, okay, well, you must be trans if you, you know, mark all of these. That's not how that works everybody's journey is different, everybody's feelings can be a little bit different about themselves and identity. And so there is no checkbox. There is nothing that's saying that, you know, you're only trans if this. And so please take the time, take as much time as you need. It's not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. The hormones aren't going anywhere. And so because I don't want anyone to start on hormone therapy, that first year is rough. You're going through puberty again in your adult life if you know you're older and so it's it I don't want anyone to have to go through that and then because they felt a societal pressure or friends or or whatever to go through that year and then realize maybe that wasn't right for me maybe that's not who I am and then have to draw back all the things that they just went through because nothing is 100% permanent when you transition but also nothing will go back 100% like it was. I know that people question their identity which is so normal and i i feel like i just want to normalize that like that's okay that's what we keep questioning it but for people that are just beginning to transition the number one thing that i feel like they need to know is you have to have patience with yourself with the transition with the people around you with the changes, everything requires patience. Um, and I know when you first start on hormone therapy, you want all these things to happen. I know after my first shot, I was like, I'm a man now. Everybody's gonna see me as a man. And it's just, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't. And so, patience with the changes and, and because if I, your face changes too. And so I didn't look exactly like this. And if I had, maybe the beard would look okay. But But back then, I had a more feminine face. My skin was uh, not as thick, and uh, some, you know, if I put this beard on on the face from ten years ago, it just it would have been it would have been bad. It would have looked terrible. Your face and everything changes as it should at the time and rate that it should. And so, how it's going to be natural for you and organic and look right. And so, patience with yourself because the hormones are up down all around. You can't explain to yourself why you're going through mood swings, let alone anybody else, and. And then also having patience with the people around you who are trying to maybe, uh, you know, use the right name or pronoun and have patience with that because that's habitual for them. So really the overall theme is patience. It's hard and it's a lot easier said than done, but it's absolutely necessary.
1: Absolutely. So uh, as I said earlier, I do follow you on TikTok and um, you did a video either this week or last week that uh, use the term dead names and how you how you approach that. Um, could you could you talk to that just a little bit?
0: Yeah. So a dead name um, is a name that is no longer in use. We say dead name because it's buried. And I know some people struggle with that because it's such a definitive word, but that's kind of the point as well, is that it's a, a name, the name that we were given at birth, and typically, with cisgendered people, uh, you're you're given a name that you use out of habit, and, and that name reflects uh, the gender that you are. And so, and, you know, typically, these are people that don't have more unisex names. So it's all fine, well, and good. That's just, that's the name you give. You don't really have a second thought about your name. But for trans people, that name is such a big part about their identity and choosing your new name it solidifies the person that you've always seen yourself. And so it's really important part of people that, um, uh, of the transition process of finding this name, because you automatically have this sense of relief of being able to get into this new identity that you want to present to the world. And so as soon as that happens, hearing the other name that you were given, that says nothing about who you are as a person makes you feel sick. So it's, I think it's all about respecting that because I don't know if people think that it's just like fun. You're like, oh, I'm going to try out these 10 different names. And now it's such a big process to not only choose your new name, but then to legally change it. And it's such an emotional thing too, that when people use your dead name, it is, it feels like you've been punched in the gut, but it also feels like a severe disrespect of your of who you are and who you know you want to become.
1: So how do you respond to that to what someone calling you by your dead name? I
0: haven't been called that in many, many, many many years, uh, but when I first changed my, I guess I should point this out, I changed my name a few years before I started even transitioning. So that was, I. It, it, there was a bunch of signs growing up. I'm telling you, there were a bunch of signs growing up that this is, you know, who I am. So that was one of them. I changed my name a few years before I started transitioning. And so I think that made it easier when I did begin transitioning because most people then were already calling me by that name. So then they only had to focus on my pronouns. When it happened, I never let it fly. Because names, if I were to meet you now and said, my name was James you would just call me James because that's what I told you. And you would continue to call me James because when you look to me, you think of that name. And so it's out of habit. And so when people would call me my dead name, I would correct it every single time. And I got just as frustrated as they did, but that was, that was necessary. Had to do that because I needed that habit to to stop. I needed a new habit with this new name. So I either didn't address them at all, and you know, if they called me by that name, I just ignored it until they called me the right one, or as soon as they said it, nope, it's Eli. No, nope, what did you just say? No, it's Eli. I'll answer that as soon as you say Eli. It w- it had to be like that.
1: Yeah, there is so much power in our names, and you know, Dale Carnegie is quoted to say the most beautiful sound you will ever hear is your name pronounced properly. Uh, <laughs> and and. And there's so much truth to that. You know, in the South, when you hear your name along with your middle name, you are in big trouble. And it's a, it's an indicator. Uh, so, so I can completely understand that. Uh, backing up just a little bit, uh, you mentioned that your parents were very uh, Christian conservative. When you began this transition, what was their response? So my father...
0: I start with him because it's kind of easier to explain i texted him now i i must also point out that my family's never been in, incredibly close to each other my i grew up in a household that was you don't really express any other emotion but a level five all the time just you can't be too excited you can't be too angry can't be too upset everything was pushed under the rug keep up with the joneses yeah, you know it's it, don't fight with your sister. That's your sister. I don't want to hear it. Move. It was never a, a, a. We were just never very close. They never allowed for that space, and so when I I told my dad through text because that's about as close as I was to him, and so when I told him, he wrote back, "Finally, son," which sounds great, right? You're smiling right now because it sounds great. But my father is also the type of man who will say anything that's gonna make you happy. He morphs himself like a gecko into whatever surrounding he's got. So if he's with me, you know, he's all about the alphabet mafia, AKA the LGBTQ plus community. But then he's also the same guy who, when he's with his wife now, talks about how trans people shouldn't fight in the military. So it's, he said that to me because he knows that that's what I wanted to hear now. I don't believe that that's actually how he felt so that was my dad and i
1: but yeah. but knowing that that's probably not how he felt do you still do you still have issue with that have you tried to talk to him about about that or is it just something that well that's the way he is and i'm going to move on i've i've
0: brought it up to him in the past um when he's said things that were very anti everything that i am but he's once again, it's that rug. I, that rug has got to be massive because he just pushes everything out of there. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. You know I love you and just kind of lets it go and doesn't really need, want to have these conversations. If I say, dad, that was offensive. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I love you. But never acknowledges, you know, what it is. So I've tried, but at this point, I don't need my father's validation, in order for me to feel like I'm right and exactly who I am. So I gave that up a
1: long time ago. Can, can you say that again? I don't need my father's validation because that is yeah, so important. I, it's so important. And I've said many times when you allow somebody or need somebody to val, to value you or give you validation, you are you are also giving them the ability to immediately devalue who you are. Uh, and so we cannot find validation in other people. And, it, and it's so difficult for people to even, when I, I mentioned this in marriage counseling, it is not the husband's job to keep the wife happy, nor is it the wife's job to keep the husband happy. You have to find happiness in who you are and what you do, and you share the happiness together. Uh, and, and, Mm -hmm. and so even within our parents and we love our parents and, and we know that they love us, we do not need their validation to be who we are, because if we do, then that's going to lead to other mental health issues. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so glad that, that you said that and we could shout it from the rooftops. Uh, we don't need anybody's validation. We are who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be this
0: one without them, so.
1: Absolutely. All right, so uh, we're going to end this podcast, um, and hopefully you'll follow us over onto Patreon, where we're going to talk about the psychological diagnosis of transgender people, uh, which is gender dysphoria uh, and how that affected uh, Eli here. So thank you for listening to Doc Talks today. I'm Doc Bryan. And as we go into the diagnosis part of that, uh, you can find that episode on Patreon, uh, where we will talk about gender dysphoria uh, and and all everything that encompasses that, and even treatment and how to cope with that description or diagnosis as an individual. Uh, Eli, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Uh, and and I'm glad that you have found who you are uh, and found happiness. Um, Eli will join us on the second part of this podcast to discuss the diagnosis. Eli, where can people find you uh, to learn more about you and your story?
0: Uh, multiple places. I think TikTok is where I have uh, the most amount of videos and just direct connect this, uh, with me. Um, Connection with me (laughs) when I say connectness. Uh, And that is Elijah with three H's, E-L-I-J-H-H-H-47. I Uh, I also have a website, eliten.net. I have a Patreon as well with the same username, Elijah 47. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, I've got it all. Just look up Elijah 47 with three H's.
1: All right. And we'll make sure to add that information to the description of the podcast of course, you can find me at the.bryan.com on TikTok, doc underscore Brian, Instagram, the underscore doc underscore Brian. And there's a link at the bottom of my website, the.bryan.com of all of my social media. And feel free to follow us there. And we look forward to having you next time. Be sure to sec- check out the second part of this, Doc Talks DX, the Diagnosis, on Patreon. Of course, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. So check out all of our podcasts there at bfranknetwork.com. Thank you for listening today, and have a great day. Goodbye.